0: Psalm 87, Psalm 87, the Psalms are 150 chapters uh, in length or 150 chapters uh, of substance and each of these chapters is in reality a song, it's a, a, a song that was designed to be used in worship among the people of Israel. And uh, these psalms do center around some, some themes. Say, well, what themes do we see in these psalms? Well, I think Kendall Easley sums it up well when he writes, God, the true and glorious king, is worthy of all praise and prayer, thanksgiving and confidence, whatever the occasion in personal or community life. And so uh, Dr. Easley says the psalms remind us that if you're on the mountaintop or if you're in the valley, you're reminded from the psalms that God is worthy of praise, God is worthy of worship, and God is worthy of your trust and confidence. We should trust Him no matter what we're going through in life. And we're reminded of that over and over again in the Psalms. And John Piper writes, The Psalms are songs, they are poems, they are written to awaken and express and shape the emotional life of God's people. Poetry and singing exists because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Our emotions are massively important. The Psalms are emotional. We see uh, the different... Uh, writers, the different psalmists dealing with a, a varied uh, range of emotions, and yet they're all bringing them to the Lord, and we connect with those emotions we find in its uh, pages. And we've come to Psalm 87, I've called it uh, Citizens of Zion, because that's what this psalm is about. So look there with me, Psalm 87, the Bible says a psalm of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were uh, tasked with helping to, to take care of the temple, lead worship, And it says, it's a song, and it starts in verse 1. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. That's an unusual phrase. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. Why would it say the Lord loves the the gates? We'll talk about that in a few moments. He loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God, Selah. Among those... Who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush, this one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there, Selah. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Fascinating. Let's pray together. And then we'll see what this psalm has to say to us tonight. Father, we love you. And we understand we only love you because you first loved us. And Lord, while we were sinners, Christ died for our sins. And we are grateful for that reality. And we're grateful, Lord, that because of the finished work of Christ, we can be reconciled to you and know you in a personal way and enjoy fellowship with you. Uh, Lord, because of Jesus, we can call you Father. And we're grateful for that. And... And because of our relationship with you, Lord, you work in our lives. Your Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our hearts so we can understand the truths of Scripture. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move in our midst, Holy Spirit of God, help us to understand this passage and help us to understand it in such a way that we will take it and apply it to our lives. And uh, Lord, just have your way, not just here in this room tonight, but all across our campus. God, would you move with power? we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Citizens of Zion. Notice that phrase in verse 3. Glorious things of you are spoken. He's speaking there of Zion. Uh, This phrase uh, was a hymn. Or or Martin Luther used this phrase uh, as a hymn they wrote called glorious things of thee are spoken. So you may have heard of that hymn before. But uh, notice the word Zion. There in verse 2, Zion simply refers to Jerusalem. That's what Zion means. Because there's a mountain, a mountain area in Jerusalem called Zion. And so uh, the two terms became interchangeable. Mount Zion uh, became known for Jerusalem. Jerusalem became known uh, as Mount Zion. And so Zion refers to the city of Jerusalem. So what I want to do tonight is I want to give you three thoughts about Zion or three thoughts about Jerusalem that come from uh, this text, and I hope we'll understand it together and uh, be moved by it, because it is a special passage. First of all, first thought about Zion. Zion is a special place. Zion is a special place. Hey, just by show of hands, how many of you have been to Jerusalem? Anybody ever been to Jerusalem? Raise your hand. Raise them high so I can see them. Raise them high. All right, several of you uh, have been to Jerusalem. I had my hand raised. I've been there. Uh, uh, you sent me and Claire uh, a few years ago, and it was awesome. And th- th- just, just by being there, you sense there's something special about that city. There's something special about that place. And, and that's the point of this uh, text. And a little bit of background on Zion or Jerusalem. Uh, the first time we see the word Zion in reference to Jerusalem is found in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. This city is where Solomon, son of David, built the temple, which became the resting place of the Ark of the Covenant. You read about that in 1 Kings uh, chapter 8. And so God chose to manifest his presence in Zion. That's where he wanted the temple. That's where he wanted the Ark of the Covenant, where he would come and rest upon that covenant in his Um, Shekinah glory uh, and he chose to manifest his presence there it says there in verse 1 on the holy mount stands the city he founded the lord loves the gates of Zion so he chose this city to be a special place he chose to manifest his presence there now hold your place but turn to psalm 132 psalm 132 look in verse 8 Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. And so reference to God going to uh, the place where he would manifest his presence. He's talking about Zion because look in verse 13, the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling uh, place. And so uh, this psalm reminds us God chose Zion. He chose Jerusalem. And Zion became known as the dwelling place of God. Look back with me in Psalm 87, verse 3. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. O city of God. Now here's what's interesting, that phrase, city of God, in the Hebrew, um, original Hebrew language, there's a definite article there. So it's literally, O city of the God. O city of the God, the the one true God. And so God... um, Uh, made this his dwelling place. The one true God made this his dwelling place. Now, turn back to Psalm 76. Let me show you another passage here. We're just kind of setting a foundation. Psalm 76, verse 2. Start in verse 1. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem. That's Jerusalem. His dwelling place in Zion. So God chose to dwell in Zion. Zion was the the central place where the people of Israel come to worship him and be in his manifest uh, presence. And so God chose to manifest his presence in Zion. Zion became known as the dwelling place of God. And Zion came to represent God's presence, blessing, and protection. It says in verse 2 that God loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Why does God love the gates of that city more than all the other cities in jerusalem well god loves the gates because the gates were were implements of access the gates gave people access to god they they allow people when they are open to come near to him in worship so god loves the gates because the gates are what allow people to come into his presence and so this city uh zion jerusalem came to represent god's presence blessing and protection and so Zion is a special place. There's something significant about it. The the Bible has much to say about Jerusalem. We don't have time to look at all the different passages that speak of Jerusalem, but it is a special place. And again, if you just read the Bible a little bit, you'll see an emphasis on Jerusalem. And if you're ever able to go there, you'll just sense when you're there, it is a, a sacred, sacred, beautiful place, beautiful setting for the drama of redemption to unfold. So Zion is a Special place. Let me give you a second thought about Zion. And this is where it gets fascinating. Anyone can be a citizen of Zion. Anyone can be a citizen of this city. Notice what it says in verse 4 Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Felicity and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion, it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her, for the Most High Himself will establish her. The Lord records and he registers the peoples. This one was born uh, there. Citizenship in Zion is not just for Jews. Say, wait, I thought, I thought Zion was in Jerusalem. I, I mean, in Israel. I thought Jerusalem is, is a Jewish uh, city and, and it's the capital. Uh, so I, I would think that it would be uh, a place of Jewish citizenship. Well, citizenship in Zion is not just for Jews. Now, to understand this better, you need to understand something very, very important. The earthly Zion, mentioned here in Psalm 87, foreshadows the heavenly Zion. Now look what it says in verse 5. It says, and of Zion it shall be said. So he's speaking future tense here. It will be said, what's he say? This one and that one were born in her, for the Most High himself will establish her. So the, the psalmist here is not just talking about Jerusalem in his day and time. He's talking about what will happen in the future in Jerusalem of this city, it shall be said, it will be said, that people will become citizens or be born in that or registered in that city. So the earthly Zion foreshadows the heavenly Zion. And the Bible has a lot to say about the heavenly Zion. In fact, over in Revelation chapter uh, uh, 21, it says that when it's all said and done, the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven and will... Uh, be the centerpiece of the new heavens and the new earth. There's a new Jerusalem uh, that will take the place of the the current Jerusalem, a, a new city, a heavenly city, if you will. And the Bible talks about this heavenly city. So hold your place, but turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, verse 26. He's using some, some allegory here between Mount Sinai and um, Jerusalem uh, to show the difference between the law and the freedom we have in Christ. We'll get to that on a Sunday morning as we work our way through Galatians. But look what he says. He says, one is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. So here's what he's saying. He's saying the present Jerusalem represents the law. People think that by their external acts of righteousness they can be right with God. But he's saying you're not saved by keeping the law. You can't do it. You can't keep the law in perfection. The the, the argument of Galatians is you're saved by faith in Christ alone. And if you're saved by faith in Christ alone, you're a citizen of the heavenly Jerusalem. You get that? And so there's a heavenly Jerusalem, all right? Now, uh, hold your place, or keep turn, turn to Hebrews 11 with me. Hebrews 11. This is the great Hebrews passage of faith. Great heroes of the faith are mentioned here. In verse 11 of, I'm sorry, verse 10 of chapter 11, it says of Abraham. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So Abraham was kind of nomadic. He went to the land when it didn't even belong to God's people yet. He was the patriarch that would, God would use to to, um, build a nation that we now call Israel. But before he was even a nation, Abraham was there in the the uh, Canaan, the, the promised land, and it says even when he was there, not a permanent resident, it says he was looking forward to another city whose designer and builder is God, speaking of the, the heavenly city or Zion or Jerusalem. Look what it says in verse 16 of Hebrews 11. It says, um, well, back up to verse 13. These all died in faith, have not, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Everybody see that? So these people of faith, even though they were nomadic and didn't have a place to call home, they had a home, a heavenly home God had prepared for them. These people of faith were always looking beyond their, their current earthly surroundings to a heavenly city that they belong to. That's the point that he is making. And now fast forward to chapter 12 of Hebrews, verse 22. It says, You have come to Mount Zion, into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, into innumerable, innumerable angels in festal places gathering and so he's saying here that by, as people of faith people of the new covenant people who believe in christ we have come to the heavenly jerusalem our citizenship is in that heavenly city so uh this earthly zion over in psalm 70 or 87 foreshadows the the heavenly zion the earthly zion foreshadows the heavenly zion so turn back with me to psalm 87 The earthly Jerusalem is a very important city, but it's not a permanent city. One day it will be, it will be superseded by the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, there's, a, there's another point under this, anyone can be a citizen of Zion. This, this psalm teaches two things. First of all, it teaches that enemies of God will enter into a relationship with God. So who exactly can be, can be citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Zion? Well, look what he says there in verse 4. Among those who I, who know me, I mentioned Rahab. That's a slang term for Egypt. You can see that over in Isaiah thirty verse seven. Among those who know me, I mentioned Rahab and Babylon, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. Now here's what's significant about the nations he just mentioned that would be would have membership in Zion. All of these nations were enemies of Israel. Isn't that interesting? Egypt, Cush, Philistia. There were times they were always at war with Israel. He's saying these enemies uh would know me. Look what he says in verse four. Among those who know me, I mention these these nations. So here's what he's saying. Nations that are now enemies of mine in Psalm 87 will one day know me personally. One day they will be citizens of Zion. That's what he's saying there. These enemies will be reconciled and know me personally. The word know in verse 4 is a translation of the Hebrew word yada. It, it can mean know, acknowledge, understand, be sure, know about, experience. Be saying, these nations who are enemies of Israel one day will experience me personally. They will know me in a very real way. That day is coming where people from Egypt will be citizens of Zion. And people from Cush, that's modern-day Ethiopia, will be citizens of Zion, the 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 Philistines, uh, there will be be people from the Philistines who are citizens of Zion. That day is coming. That's what it's saying there in verses 4 and 5. So this psalm teaches that enemies of God will enter into a relationship with God. Also, this psalm teaches that foreigners become citizens through new birth. So how do these foreign nations become citizens of Zion, the heavenly Zion? Well, look what he says there in... Verse four. Among those who know me I mentioned Rahab and Babylon, behold Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the most high himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there, Say lot. Now what's he saying? These folks from Egypt and Cush and Philistia, they weren't born in Zion. But he's saying it will be said they're born there. In other words, even though they were born in a another place, they will be born again in that they will be called citizens of Zion. It speaks here folks that are saved from different nations and are made citizens of the kingdom of God. That's what that verse means. They're born, not their physical birth, they're born in different nations, but they're born again into Citizenship in Zion. That's what this verse means. It it reminds me of what Jesus said in John 3, verses 3 through 5. He said, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you gotta be born again to be in the kingdom. And you gotta be born again to be a a citizen of the capital of that kingdom, Zion or Jerusalem. And so this psalm teaches that enemies of God will enter into a relationship with God. These These enemies will know God. And these foreigners, these folks born in other places, will become citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of Zion, through a new birth. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So his point here is this. Even though Zion was the center of Israel, it wasn't just for Israel. God has a heavenly Zion, and it is for anyone who's born again. Now that's good news because... You're hearing a non-Jew preach today. If, if, if the heavenly Zion were just for Jews, I'd be in trouble. And you probably would be too. We're Gentiles, right? Most of us may be some ethnic Jews. I'm not completely sure on that. But most of us are Gentiles. We're, we're, we're not ethnic Jews. And so isn't it good news that citizenship in the kingdom of God, citizenship in the heavenly Jerusalem, citizenship in Zion is for you. If you believe in Christ, if you're born again. So you might say it like this. If you're born again, you're a citizen of the kingdom. If you're not, you're on the outside looking in. But you can be a citizen if you just believe in Christ. And so anyone can be a citizen of Zion. You know, there's a a naturalization process for people that come to our country and they want to be uh, they want to be citizens of this country. There's, a, there's things they have to uh, achieve and, and know and understand, and there's a swearing-in ceremony, and they have to go through those steps if they want to be citizens of this nation. Listen to me. The, the naturalization process for the kingdom of God is faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you become a citizen of the kingdom. That's how you become a citizen of Zion. That's how you can make sure that you're a part of the, the heavenly Jerusalem that will one day come down and so, anyone can be a citizen of Zion. Anyone can be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, third, thoughts of Zion should bring us joy. So, we think about God's city, that this earthly Jerusalem in Psalm 87 foreshadows. As we think about God's city, the the, the heavenly Jerusalem, we we should have joy. Hold your place there, but... But turn to, uh, turn to Revelation twenty-one. I want to show you this very quickly, so you can understand what we're looking forward to. Revelation twenty-one, verse one. After the final judgment at the great white throne, the Bible says, "I saw a new heaven and a new earth." For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So when God ushers in a new heavens and a new earth, at that point, the new Jerusalem that you're a citizen of, if you know Jesus, will be the centerpiece of that new heavens and new earth. That's, that's exciting, isn't it? And, and chapter 21 talks about the city. It's incredible. If you have time, read about the city, the beauty of it. Uh, the fact that there's no, no need of light because the Lamb is the light. Uh, no need of a sun or stars because the Lamb lights it up. There are gates and people are coming and going from all nations in this new, exciting Jerusalem. And so that's something to look forward to. And back in Psalm 87, we see here the psalmist is excited about this citizenship in Zion. He writes, Singers... And dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Citizens of Zion recognize that God is their source. That phrase, all my springs or all my fountains are in you. It's a way for them to say that God, who is repre- whose presence is represented in, the, in, the, in Zion, is the one who supplies all of our needs. Springs are sources for rivers. He's saying we have all we need because of the Lord. God is our source. And so those who are citizens of Zion, citizens of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, should recognize that that God meets all of our needs. Aren't you glad of that? But secondly, citizens of Zion rejoice that God is their source. Notice it says there, Singers and dancers alike say, now watch out Baptists, all right, but it seems that these these citizens of Zion are real excited about being citizens of that city. And they're singing, and they're dancing, and they're rejoicing, and I believe that's a little bit of a a picture of what heaven's going to be like. You ever thought about heaven, of which the the New Jerusalem will be the centerpiece? You ever thought about heaven uh, being like, kind of like just giant choir and you know, you all have on matching choir robes, and you're kind of standing there just kind of singing with a solemn face, or maybe floating on a cloud, or, honestly, that doesn't sound really exciting to me, all right? And, and you just don't see that in, in Revelation. Revelation, there's people coming and going, it says they're serving God, we don't know what that looks like, but God's got some things for us to do, all right? I believe we're going to have access to the new heavens and the new earth, all right? um you know, i've always wanted to i've always wanted to to uh do something like climb mount everest but i'm too chicken to do it i wouldn't i wouldn't but but in the new heavens new earth i want to climb a mountain because i can't die then right that's uh, so i'm gonna i'm gonna go after it then um it, it's, we get that we get to be a part of the, of, of god's beautiful uh, expanse new heavens new think about the, the old heavens the old earth. how wonderful this is can you imagine a brand new heavens and a brand new earth and and the city of beauty and people from different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds coming to worship and serve. and It's going to be exciting. It's not going to be just standing there in a choir. No, there may be a choir, all right? Um, but I believe there will be more than that, and we'll be, we'll be rejoicing and we'll be dancing, we'll be celebrating the fact that we are members of the heavenly Jerusalem, that we get access to Jesus. We get to be in his presence forever and ever and ever and ever. So Citizens of Zion, rejoice that God is our source. I love this quote from James Montgomery Boyce. He writes, All we are or hope to be, all we have or ever hope to have, all we attain or ever hope to attain, is from Him. The people of God acknowledge this and praise God for it. You see, the best thing about being a citizen of Zion is you have access to God. Amen? Amen? You get to know him and experience him and worship him and be with him. And that's what's so great about being a citizen. So, we've kind of broken down Psalm 87 and, and looked at some different things. Zion's a special place. Anyone can be a citizen of Zion, and thoughts of Zion should bring us joy. Now, what's the application? I've got three application statements for you. How should all this affect our lives? Okay? What does this mean for you and I? Application number one. If you're a citizen of heaven, if you're a citizen of the heavenly Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, you ready? Live like it. I would submit to you that citizens of heaven should live differently than those who aren't citizens of heaven. What do you think? Think? You think that should be the case? Uh, Turn with me to to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. sun is coming right in the corner. was we'll a over this way. Philippians. I'm just glad to see the sunshine, though. Philippians chapter 3. Look in verse uh, 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their gl- they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. We so speaking of people who are not Christians, They're even opposed to Christianity, and and the description there is they're driven by their appetites, and they are earthly, they're worldly, they're not focused upon the things of God. But look at the contrast. But our citizenship is in what? Heaven. We're members, through faith in Christ, of the new Jerusalem, right? We're members of that, we're citizens of that heavenly city, which will one day come down out of heaven our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself notice the contrast here citizens of heaven should be different than those who are not citizens of heaven folks that aren't citizens of heaven are earthly worldly citizens of heaven should look different their lives should be different their lives should be distinctive that's the point that is being made here and so if you're a citizen of heaven you ought to live like it people ought to know that your citizenship your ultimate allegiance is to the lord secondly second application point let the future joy that awaits you be an incentive to endure hardship Let the future joy of Zion that awaits you be an incentive to endure hardship. Turn to Revelation, last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. He's speaking to, this is the risen Lord Jesus, through a vision to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos giving a message to some churches in the first centuries. And Jesus has a message to the church in Philadelphia. They're going through a difficult time. They're being persecuted. And he says there, verse 10, Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, here it is, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You know what uh, Jesus is saying to these believers that are going through difficult times? They're going through persecution, hardship, trials. It calls for endurance. Here's what he's saying. Hey, don't give up. One day, you will, be, you will be brought to the New Jerusalem. Your citizen's there. One day, you'll receive that as a prize from God. And you will enjoy that citizenship in Zion. And so, he gives uh, them as a way of, um, as a way of motivation uh, not to give up uh, this this vision of what's coming in their future. Hey, you get New Jerusalem. Don't don't give up. Keep on keeping on. So his point is let the future joy that awaits you in the New Jerusalem be an incentive to endure hardship. How many of you remember singing the song growing up? We're marching to Zion. Anybody sing that song in church? Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me let me read you some words from that that song to get at this point. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known and join in a song with sweet accord and thus surround the throne. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. So it's a song of pilgrimage. Christians are going through this world and it's hard, but hey, our end destination is Zion. Keep that in mind. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. And and one of the verses says this, then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high. I like that. Don't give up. We th- Something better is in the future. Keep on keeping on. Don't throw in the towel. Endure through hard times. But the future joy that awaits you be an incentive to endure hardship. Uh, I was running on the treadmill earlier today, and I have a little trick that I use on the treadmill, because um, it can get monotonous near the end, and I get kind of tired, and and when I get on the kind of my last couple of laps, and I want to, you know, turn it down and go a little bit slower, this is and this may work for you. I don't know if it works for you, but it works for me. Um, I I put on songs from Rocky. <laughs> two of the two of the theme songs from Rocky, and uh, and you can't stop running when Rocky's playing, right? I mean, you can't you can't be a wuss. You got to keep on running because Rocky's playing. And so I'll I'll play the last two songs of Rocky so I don't slow down, and I'll try to. I'll try to finish strong. It's mine. Say, hey, when you listen, Rocky, you can't give up, right? You can't stop. You can't slow down. Uh, it reminds me to keep on keeping on. Well, Listen, your citizenship in the new Jerusalem ought to remind you, hey, don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Keep running the race well. Let the future joy that awaits you be an incentive to endure hardship. Yes, this life is hard. Very, very difficult. But it's going to be worth it when we all gather together in the New Jerusalem. Amen? But there's a third application point. If we're citizens of Zion, we should make every effort to increase Zion's citizenship. How do people become a member or citizen of Zion? What did we say earlier? They've got to be born again, right? How are you born again? How's a person born again? Faith in Christ. Faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Faith in who Jesus Christ is. Faith in Jesus Christ saves you and you're born again. You're made a brand new person in Christ. And so our goal should be, hey, if we're in the kingdom, if we're, if we're citizens of Zion, we should try to get as many folks in as we can with us, right? And remember, Zion's for everybody. If you're an enemy of God, far from God, if you're from Kush or or Philistia or uh, Egypt or Malaysia or uh, Argentina or Canada or Belgium or Uganda or Laos, wherever you're from, you can be a citizen of Zion, a citizen of the new Jerusalem if you are born again. So here's what we do. If we'll go and share the good news, people can hear it, place their faith in Christ, be saved, and become a citizen of that city. Isn't that exciting? And, and, and our goal should be the citizenship of, of Zion to get bigger and bigger and bigger, God's kingdom to increase more and more and more and more. Warren Wiersbe writes, When the Lord establishes his glorious kingdom and Messiah reigns from Jerusalem, Israel's enemies will be transformed into fellow citizens. Through the preaching of the gospel today, this miracle is happening in his church. As we share the gospel, the kingdom gets larger. There are more citizens of Zion, the new Jerusalem. And and here's why that's important. Jesus gets more praise, right? The, the, The greatest motivation for missions, evangelism, sharing our faith is Another voice around the throne, another voice in the New Jerusalem, worshiping him, the, the one who is worthy of all praise and glory and honor. So we should make every effort to increase Zion citizenship by sharing the gospel, by sharing the good news. It goes back to our, our vision statement up on the wall. What do we want to do as a church? Expand his kingdom, right? Cross the street around the world that's what we want to be about that's that's what that's our total focus as a church everything we we do we want to be united behind that vision to to make god's kingdom bigger to get more citizens in the kingdom more citizens of zion so that jesus gets more praise and glory and honor hey and by the way the alternative to citizenship in zion you know what the alternative is citizenship in the kingdom of darkness Can I tell you that doesn't end well? You don't want to be under the dominion of Satan. He's cruel and he's evil and he comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he's all about. And apart from Christ, that's the kingdom you're in, right? So not only is Jesus getting more praise as we share the gospel and folks get saved, but people are being delivered, as Colossians 1 says, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Isn't that good? And so we need to share this good news, make every effort to increase Zion's citizenship. And listen, we can tell everyone everywhere, hey, you can be born again. You can become a, a citizen of the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter what your background is. Remember what it says in uh, Psalm 87? If you're from Egypt, Philistia, Cush, you can be born into this city. You can be registered in this city as you are born again. So if you're a citizen of heaven, live like it. it How to be reflected in your life. Let the future joy that awaits you be an incentive to endure hardship. And number three, make every effort to increase Zion's citizenship. So any questions about Psalm 87 before we pray together in just a few moments? Any any questions about this psalm? About anything I've said tonight? Any questions? I know we got some questions. any questions all right got it figured out all right cool psalm let's uh, bow our heads and close our eyes oh you got a question eli <laughs> everybody lift your heads up now we got a question that's a great point um Jesus uh, calls himself the gate in uh John ten, you know, uh the door, the door in in, in uh, uh into the, the fold the the sheepfold. And so uh yeah, uh you could say that uh, access to the um citizenship yeah, access to the presence of God in Jerusalem, uh, the earthly Jerusalem was through the gates. Access to the presence of God in the heavenly Jerusalem is through Jesus. Absolutely. Faith in Jesus. Jesus is the gate. That's good, Eli. That'll preach. (laughs) Like that. That's exactly right. Other questions? Yes? Talking about gates. Why would you need gates going into the city? Uh, Entry points. Entry points. Yeah. And if a gate is open, it signifies access, openness. You can come in. Now. Revelation uh, 21 does say that uh, there's a list of, of of sins, people who have not entered the kingdom. The gates will be closed to them. So uh, I think it's symbolic or metaphorical that uh, if you're saved and your sins have been washed away, you have access to God. If you're not, metaphorically, the gates will be closed to you, but you'll be in that awful place called hell. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Be any lost around there to go in. Right, exactly, exactly. That's why. That's why it says in chapter twenty one or twenty two, it says the gates are always open. Yeah, people are it says people kings are coming and going all the time. Yeah, good question. Any other questions tonight about the New Jerusalem? There's even measurements by the way in Revelation. They tell you exactly how it's it's cubed. It's going to be this, you know, the same distance of height and width and depth. It's pretty cool. So. Uh, yeah. There's a. I saw a, um, I saw a um, graphic of how much area the New Jerusalem will actually cover physically, and it's it's basically the kind of the central portion of the United States. It kind of kind of sets down right kind of the middle of the United States and take away the kind of the East Coast and the West Coast as kind of you know the new you, you have the kind of the New Jerusalem. So it's going to be a it's going to be a large city. So I, I should have had that graphic for you. Maybe I'll maybe I can find it. And I'll show it to you one of these days. Any other questions tonight? Any other questions? <coughs> All right. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. We'll listen a time of prayer. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, uh, I, you know I wonder if you're here tonight and and. Uh, you say, "Wait, I'm. I don't. I don't know that I'm a citizen of the heavenly Jerusalem. I, I'm. I've not been born again. I don't have that nailed down. Uh, but I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm a citizen of heaven. I want to know that I have a relationship with God. I want to know that I have access to God through Christ." Well, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you can you can make that decision right now. It's not something you do. It's it's placing your faith in what Christ has done. And so tonight, you can. Uh, just in quite a quietest moment, just ask Jesus to come into your life and save you, be your Lord and Savior, forgive you of your sins, and uh, tell him you believe he died for you, and tell him you believe he rose from the dead, and you want him in your life, and you want to be born again. If you call on his name, he uh, saves. The Bible says, "Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." And so that can be a decision you can make right now, right now, and you can call on his name. And if you make that decision and you get that settled, I want you to come and talk to me. Uh, after we're through and and uh and just share the decision you've made or or call us or email us or whatever works best for you so we can follow up with you. But that's a decision you can make right now. You can you might have walked in this room tonight as a as a as a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. But you can leave today as a citizen of the kingdom of God, which is really cool and it's available to you because God loves you. Maybe you're here; that eternal question has been answered. You know that you're know that you're saved, but uh, but maybe maybe your life has not been reflecting a distinctiveness, the distinctiveness that a citizen of heaven should reflect. Just God to help you to live like a citizen of the kingdom. Just God to help you live in such a way that people will see the difference that Jesus makes. maybe you're going through something difficult right now, and and it's hard and and challenging, and you just need to be reminded that um, you've got a glorious future. You've got a glorious future. Heaven is in your future. No matter how hard it gets down here, we are citizens of Zion, the new Jerusalem, and uh, when it's all said and done, when the dust settles on human history, we get Jesus forever in a place where there's no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. It's just, would you ask God to help you to remember that? And would you ask God just to give you perseverance to keep on keeping on in in this life? And would you ask the Lord to, um, to give you opportunities to share good news so that people who are not citizens of the kingdom can become citizens of the kingdom? People who are not Citizens of Zion can become citizens of Zion as they're born again through Jesus. Just God to help you to share that good news and and expand God's kingdom across the street and around the world to look for opportunities to share Christ. There are people all around us that need Jesus and and we have the message of hope. So ask God to give you opportunities to share that message. want to give you an opportunity tonight. I, you know, we're all busy. Uh, we we kind of run at frantic paces uh, sometimes. And uh, sometimes we're so busy, we don't have time to slow down and, you know, lift up what's going on in our life and, and just have a, a, a quiet moment in space to pray and cast our cares upon him. And so I want to give you a moment tonight just to pray for you, what's going on in your life. All right. If there's something pressing. Whatever the greatest need you sense in your life right now, would you just take just a few moments right now and just, just, just give to the Lord in prayer. Just pray about it. Ask God to meet that need. Ask God to move in your life. Ask God to help you. Ask God to encourage you. Uh, but just whatever that, whatever that thing is that's going on in your life, uh, pray about it right now. Bible says we can cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us and that's good news Hebrews 4 says that we can come to his throne of grace to find mercy and help in times of need so whatever's going on in your life would you just would you just give it to him in prayer Ask God to remove the anxiety and angst and worry off of your life as you give to Him in prayer, and replace it with a peace that surpasses all comprehension. And now, would you um, would you pray for somebody else tonight? Maybe someone, maybe it's a family member, friend, church member, someone you know that's going through something difficult maybe someone that the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart right now, just somebody in your sphere of influence, maybe it's a coworker, I don't know, neighbor, but somebody you know that's going through something difficult, would you just pray for them right now? Just whatever, whatever the Lord lays on your heart, just lift them up to the Lord right now. Ask God to meet needs in their life and to help them and encourage them and work in the circumstances that are difficult. Just pray for that one or the ones that God lays upon your heart tonight. It's called intercessory prayer. I was reading this morning in my quiet time after Israel blew it. uh, Moses um, laid on his face prostrate before the Lord 40 days, 40 nights on Mount Sinai. After it'd already been up there for forty days and forty nights, just before the Lord asking god to to not destroy the people. He was interceding for others and and uh, what an example for us we intercede for those that have needs and concerns in their life and now before we close down, would you just uh would you take a few moments? And just ask the Lord to uh, to bless our Easter services. we got a lot of folks working hard, uh, getting ready for that weekend, you know, the music and uh, all that's going to happen with that. And, uh, you know, we'll have busy folks in preschool and children's ministry and parking lot duty and ushers and greeters and... Uh, preaching, all that's going to happen on that weekend, would you just ask God to just, just, to, just to move in, in, a, in a very special way? Um, we, we anticipate a lot of folks being here, and we, we, we want to see a lot of folks saved. Would you just ask God to give us a harvest of souls that weekend, folks that would just give their lives to Jesus and be encouraged and Jesus be exalted in those services? Would you pray that God would give uh, our people the wherewithal to be inviters? Last days leading up to Easter weekend that we would invite, 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 invite. Father, we are marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We are pilgrims. Uh, this world is not our home, and sometimes we feel that as we experience difficulty and challenge and sadness and heartache and grief. Uh, but Lord, thank you for reminding us that there's hope. We have a glorious future because our citizenship is in heaven. We are we've been born again into citizenship in the heavenly Jerusalem, and that is a wonderful, wonderful reality, and Lord, I can't wait for that day when we're all together, what a day of rejoicing that will be in the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, praising the Lamb who was slain, enjoying our fellowship with our saved loved ones and all of the redeemed through the ages, people from every tribe and every tongue gathered around your throne. And Lord, how amazing will it be when we we encounter someone in heaven who's there because they heard us share the gospel with them. God, use us to, to expand your kingdom right here in this community and all around the world. And we'll thank you, Lord, and praise you for that grace. And Lord, we do lift our Easter service is up to you, God. We pray that you would just move with power, and we see a harvest of souls, and, and uh, God, that lives would be changed, and and uh, your kingdom would would uh, would would expand through uh, that weekend, and we'll thank you, Lord, for that grace. And we pray and ask all of this for your name's sake, for your glory, and we just want to say that we love you, we praise you, and we lift this prayer up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.